0: There's a funny thing I would tell people. I I hate continental breakfast. And I hate continental breakfast because it always comes before uh, some new experience, some orientation. And that is the worst feeling in the world to be sitting there with a cold bagel and a little yogurt and your coffee and you got to make friends as an adult. So what I learned over time, though, was that that was the opportunity also because you were on stage, whether you wanted to be or not whenever
1: you're dealing with DEI, anything, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like I I, I try to not be comfortable or or make people think that it's gonna be a comfortable process. It's supposed to be uncomfortable because you're changing. Um, And and when that discomfort arises, you you see the most change and impact.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Happy Practice Playbook. I'm Mo Jones and in each episode of the show, you'll hear conversations with dentists, office managers, staff, and specialists who know how to create a happy practice. Today, we are joined once again by Dr. Bilal Beckles and Daryl Jackson, business partners and fraternity brothers who studied their undergrad at Virginia State Dr. Beckles is a dentist specializing in prosthodontics. And Daryl is the Chief Operating and Growth Officer at Comprehensive Dental Science, as well as the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Institute of Management Accountants. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thank
1: you. you. Glad to be back. Felt like we never left.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Back like we never left. We're just getting started.
1: (laughs) Yes, indeed.
2: Well, we will just get right into it since y'all have been here. Um, today's statistic is Hispanic, Black and Native American dental school graduates made up only around 8.6, 4.7 and 0.4%, 0.4% respectively of the class of 2020. Despite representing a larger popu- Despite representing a larger percentage of the US population. So with that, right? How how have you guys seen the difference in diversity in your in your fields working in dentistry?
1: I guess I, I can lead off on that. I, I think when we when we talk about diversity, um, it, it it almost has to pass the eye test first. You know, you can kind of go by what you see first, and I, I think. Um, it's very similar to other professions that I've worked in, uh, and as you know, I'm director of DEI at, at at IMA, working with accountants, and it's very similar. I mean, I, I can say last year, um, the accounting profession celebrated the first so celebrated um, the hundredth year anniversary of the first Black CPA, and it's still under three percent. Under so you, you see, you know, it's 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 mirror mirrored image, and I think it has a lot to do with a couple of things. So I've, I've been building. Um, DEI programs and initiatives for, for quite some time, uh, over 20 years, and, and it, it needs to be about one of four things, I'd say, or it's just stuff, and you don't want to just do stuff. It has to be about exposure, access, development, or recognition. And I think what has happened to underrepresented people over time is that they haven't been exposed, provided access, developed, or recognized in these fields, and so they've done either one or two things. Either they, 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 they were stuck at the entry level or they left the profession altogether. And so, you know, in our roles and our, and you know, in our roles as, as owning the practice and, you know, in, in other roles, it's, it's really key, it's imperative that we expose people to dentistry, that we expose them to the various levels of dentistry, that we provide them access to different, you know, programs and, 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 and you know, things that, that can help them enhance in their careers and catapult them into other areas. And then finally, once they get exposed and have access, we have to help them develop themselves and become recognized as professionals. So I think that that's what you see in, in various fields. I think you know it's similar in the legal field as well. Um, if this is just a lack of
0: of exposure and access for underrepresented
1: communities. Yes,
0: um, and I I guess I I could speak from being inside of it and and. That early exposure that I spoke about on the uh, on the other program in high school, I, I went through the Urban League and they were placing me in a hospital, but my mentor, Dr. North, just happened to intercept me or he was walking out of his operatory when we were walking through the clinic. And that was a matter of seconds. And had I stopped to tie my sneaker or had he went back in to do something, we. I would have never been on this path. And so if you think about how fragile or how chance that is for us to be exposed to a field of dentistry, um, and, and, and within the numbers, what I'm seeing, it's still about the same from when I, uh, entered dental school, uh, eons ago. And, um, what I try to do is promote a little, you know, promote more and, uh, and get people into school, because if it wasn't for another mentor of mine, um, which is uh, Dr. Dennis Mitchell, who he basically explained to me the steps that I would have to take if I wanted to pursue the career. He also told me um, just flat out as, as, as one of our fraternity brothers, he said, are you ready for something like this? This is like a process. And he said like the process that we, you know, we're, we're familiar with in, in that area, but he, he said, you're, you're gonna have to go through these things. And when you don't know the field, nor what you have to go through, nor anybody that's necessarily in it, it, it becomes uh, almost like uh, those hoop dreams. I wanna be an astronaut. I wanna be these different things because it's, you, you know, just cause you might've seen a flash of it, but actually getting into it, and exposed to it, you're still going to see a small percentage because there's not a small percentage of us out there. And uh, we have, uh, even in specialties, it goes even lower than that percentage wise. We start to get into the 0.2% and 3%. Uh, I have some colleagues of mine that we're all prosedonists, black prosodontists, and we have this little kind of bet of how many black prosedonists are there in the United States. And I say about 50 to 75 uh, in, in the United States. Some of my colleagues say it's lower than that. It's maybe about 30 or 40 of us in the world, uh, if you really total it. So it, it, it is an unexplored area, and it, it doesn't have as much promotion as it should.
2: And so with that, as we're talking about, right, at seeing just as professionals and <clears throat> especially people of color of not seeing people like us in those professions that can lead to that small minimum would you say that's relatable too because I think if you look at any statistics marginalized people um, statistically are higher in obesity or health issues and things like that across the board do you think there's a correlation with not having professionals of color in those fields that relates to that low number or high number depending on the statistics of those health related issues
1: absolutely I, I think so i mean i think you know in in order to have someone help you and and that's essentially what it is when you when you go to a medical professional you're going to, you're going for help um and and to have that that vulnerable conversation with them to tell them what's really going on it technically it typically happens with someone that you're comfortable with and, and that comfort level comes from you know, either they look like you they empathize with you or something like that if they don't then it's that's guard um, and, and you know I've, I've seen it across the board and, and we talk about work in different fields um of course my work with the practice we've seen it but then you know work with the accountants with, with accountants you know there's your financial help so a lot of people are, feel uncomfortable about discussing their financial um you know their financial stability with people that don't look like them um, and so what that leads to is is a lot of bad decisions um, a lot of things they get put off um, a lot of things that they just aren't educated about um and, and you know, it, it it it's unfortunate but you know it's
0: it's up to people like us to try to break those bar- break those barriers and break those boundaries yes and i and I agree uh one hundred percent with daryl uh I think one of the biggest issues is um <clears throat> one is a lack of knowledge but the the main two issues are fear and um i guess adopting different um wives tells or ideas of 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 what an ailment or a problem may be. And so when we start to talk about a, a pain in our chest, oh yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I just had something bad to eat. You know, but this is happening all of the time or or oh yeah, I just couldn't catch my breath for a second because I stood up too fast. And we adopt that as as this is now the the diagnosis for these these issues and these ailments that we're having. And so we treat. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just drink some tea. Ha, ha, have a um, you know, there are old tales that that people would do because they had no other options. If you don't have a doctor to go to, then yeah, you're gonna mix this root with this and that, and then you're gonna put a bowl of water under the bed to suck the spirits out. It's all types of things that we adopt because it's deep rooted fear. Of what it could be, and a lot of times that that causes people to shy away from seeking help, and especially when they don't resemble them, they 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 think of it more as criticism over uh, actual um, helping and healing.
2: Yeah, and I will dig into this a little bit in a second, but I think in you know, our listeners, I think it's really impactful to understand that. Yeah, you may be in a situation where you. Because of where you live or your area, you may not be able to have uh, the diversity you want in your office or practice, but it shouldn't be for a lack of trying. Because how imp- I can just know, I'm speaking for myself, I'm a woman of color in the state of Utah, and I am very much a minority. And it was really hard for a few times, some um, doctors that I would meet with, just to tell them my experience or concerns and it just it was it just felt like the connection was not there or my pain or concerns was being just checked off like mm, you're not really feeling that or doing that and so it was just like how am i supposed to have trust as a patient right if if even you know despite the fact you don't look like me you don't even trust me whereas when i found when i find doctors that look like me and can relate that they trust me and i have that pain so all that to say though how how can someone cultivate an environment with a workplace that is inclusive inclusive and diverse?
1: I think, I mean, I think the first thing and, and we need to be really clear about it, they really have to be deliberate, they have to be intentional. Um, it doesn't happen by chance, it doesn't happen by mistake. Um, then the other side of it is as I think a, a lot of times as professionals, we get caught up in race and, and, and ethnic diversity when there's so many types of diversity. I mean, I really focus on cognitive diversity a lot because that, that's the diversity that's really important. Um, because that's the the diversity with, which provides different perspectives, and when we think about cognitive diversity, we think about diversity of thought. So it's, it's it's we're both at this at this at this starting line. How do we get to the finish? You know, how how do we get to the finish, and at what pace, at what rate, what path do we take? That's the diversity that's really important when making decisions, business decisions. So I, I, I of course, you know, in my role, I focus on race and ethnic diversity, LGBTQIA. Um, as, as well as um, gender diversity but then there's also other things there's assess- there's um, accessibility issues there's disability you know there's cognitive diversity what we call diversity of thought um there's geographic diversity because we want to understand if you're so for instance in our case if you're not from Harlem you know and you have to take the train to this practice every day how do you get here what are your experiences what are you what are the barriers what are some things that you face getting to this practice so you know we, we think of it through a, through a lot of different lenses, but what what I, I have to say, and then what I what I what when I, when I consult individual businesses about diversity, equity, and inclusion is number one, you have to be really deliberate, and two, you have to be intentional. And then I think the most important thing is don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> we we all all you know all of us want want to make sure sure that we're really diverse, we're equitable, we're equitable an opportunity, equitable in pay, we have inclusive environments, but you know you can't try to do it all at once because what will happen is you won't do anything good. Um, and your employees will tell you that. Um, and, and what I've, I've also seen is that when we bring in this diverse set of individuals with different perspectives on different backgrounds, we have to continuously recruit them because they're always going to find someone that's going to give them something, a little something better. There's always going to be someone selling them a little something better, but we have to always recruit them and let, and help them understand why this is the best place for them. Um, and, and, also, why it's the best place for their development. Um, and Dr. Beckles, of course, in his modesty, as it always is, is um, he tells a story about all his dental assistants have, have eventually gone on to dental school. And I think that's important because we want to make sure that those that we bring in our doors, they don't get stuck in those roles. They're not stuck in those roles for 10 20 years. We want to make sure that they grow. Um, and that's a part of the diversity as well, because we want them to come back and tell these, these the other people that we bring in at the grassroots at the beginning levels, this is what I had to do to get
0: here, and this is how they helped me get here. Uh, i mean I, I excellently stated i <clears throat> and I, I i would just say <clears throat> excuse me i'm sorry uh to to add to that um i always try to look within the community as far as giving opportunities to where wherever we build wherever we open um because i again i am a product of that um and then also that inclusivity and that in, in bringing those in that also brings in other communities. So if we are looking to make a larger impact in in, in New York, as you know, um, New York is, is a melting pot. So it's very hard to be strictly uh, within one area or, or to look at um, th- this this particular demographic without looking at it globally, because that's literally what is outside your door, and so. Um, in our our practice, we have a have a diverse group. Um, myself being a black prosthodontist, but also Dr. Moran, our associate is, uh, is is Dominican, and she also crosses that language barrier. That that I you know I know a little bit of Spanish and and different things like that, but that helps in easing the communication, but also with making people feel comfortable and included in in the you know the whole process of of where we're trying to go with things
1: and mo you brought up some great points and those you know, statistics that you that you that you read off they're really important but i, I just for, for the audience i just want to make one one good one one important delineation between the quantitative data and the qualitative data the quantitative metrics tell us what they tell us they are what they are um and we noticed that you know, the, those, the, that data that you presented us is probably with dentists that are coming in, but it gets even more dismal as you go up. If you look at those that, um, you know, dentists of color that own a practice, dentists of color that are partners, you know, they, it gets even worse. And so what, what, what we really try to do is focus not only on the quantitative data, but the qualitative data. We try to have those conversations with individuals. Why are you not coming into the industry? Why are you not going into medicine? What barriers have you faced? Um, and getting into, in, into dental school, you know, those are the things that are most important. There, it's not the, it's not the stats that tell us that it's point four this person or, um, you know, 5% of this, per- this person is, it's why, it's how, it's what. And those, are, those are the things that we try to do as, you know, as older professionals that have experienced a lot of different things throughout our careers. We try to understand the barriers, what they are now, because what they, what they were when I was young aren't what they are now. Um, and so I, I think in being, um, and being champions for diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's important that we're not focused on the quantitative data, but we really hone in on the qualitative data and have those those conversations with individuals that are facing um, these barriers.
2: I, I love that you mentioned that because I know in several projects that I've been involved with when it comes to diversity inclusion, Right. As you mentioned, it's not just the numbers that the stories are really part of it. People's experiences and overcoming the barriers they face maybe because of the lack of diversity, and inclusion in these different areas, um, I think is so important. And so, right, as as practice owners. Right. And running a business, I think sometimes we I say we like I'm part of this. but You are.
1: You um, are. It's, it's a holistic environment. We love you- everyone. Come aboard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but definitely. you've got a
2: you've got a business to run, right? You've got a business to run and there you've there's there's numbers, right? You gotta look like at the numbers and what your overhead and what you're making. So how do you make time for those stories and making sure those experiences are validated and taking that into consideration while essentially maintaining that the business aspect and making a profit?
1: I mean it's not um I I'd have to be I'd have to say it's 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 authentic. It's not like planned. It's it's like as in passing and I I think it's I think that's how you get the really the honest answers and you get the honest dialogue is it's not a sit down, hey, let me speak to you for a moment about this stuff. It's hey, how, how are you doing today? What's going on? Are you experiencing any difficulties? You know, what, what 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 are some of the things that and you know all of those or you know, even the the, the quick conversation by the water cooler, hey, how's it going today? Yeah. You know, I, I heard you trying to do this. I, what what are some of your experiences? And I think those are when we get the really authentic responses. And, and you know, in my work and in, D, in my DEI roles, that's how I've, been, I've, that's how I've really gotten uh, to the nuts of things. I mean, I, I can tell you stories of, of an older woman. She was a senior manager walking into a room to present to her peers, and they asked her, did she bring the coffee? Or, you know, two women, two Spanish women in a hallway speaking Spanish, and, and another woman comes by and say, hey, here, we only speak English. You know, things that we thought... Don't happen anymore. They're still happening. Or, you know, a, a, a gay Asian male, um, his boss telling him if he wanted to move up in the company, he had to act more straight around the CEO. You know, these things are still going on, but no one is going to tell you that if you sit down and do an uh, interview with them. You know, it's it's things that, you know, as a man of color, as a, as a person of color, that they they express their frustrations. Um, and, and I share their frustration with them because I, you know, in my roles, I, I think that we've climbed this hill and we're, 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 this way, we're this far up. Little do I know that there are still people lagging behind. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really an educational aspect where, you know, you, you have to be really empathetic and hearing what they're going through, but then understanding where the champions are, where, where the key pieces in the playing field, um, uh, that we can go and have those conversations with them make, to make it a little bit easier for them and to break down some of those barriers
0: yes and and also the um the the focus on growth um we we we're, we're transparent about our vision you know and how we want to see and where we want to go with things and, and when the staff is around or just in in, in communication but like Daryl had, uh uh stated uh before I look at the people that come work for me that This is not where you're staying. Like you're you're gonna come in at this point, but I need you at this point next, and I need you at this point. And oftentimes they hit that ceiling in an AOL. I'm just gonna go off to dental school. Well, I'm gonna help you with that too, because what that's gonna do is that's gonna not only show that that individual, you know, uh, uh, a new a new pathway, a new life, but it also shows your staff that listen, this is this is where we can go to, and and When you start showing them things that are beyond their limits um not with arrogance but with like achievement they start to move and start seeing that vision and start moving in that same direction as you and so i i find that to be um uh beneficial over over the the time that i've been out it's just been hey listen if you know this you're going to know this by the time you're done with me and you're going to want more by the time you're done. So I, I think that that requires us, you know, turning, you know, turning over our, our staff, but everybody that's in there, they value it, they work harder for it, and they see the bottom line themselves. If this grows, that means it grows bigger for everyone else. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think Dr. Beckles and I, we're, we're really sensitive to the concept of, of, of intersectionality as well. We understand that people aren't just one thing one at a time, like there are a bunch of things all of the time. So we try to be really sensitive to understand that this woman that came from Brooklyn, that's not only a black woman, she might be a mother, she's a Christian, she's, she, you know, she's all of these things and she's bringing this, this whole person to work. And, and when this person sits down in this seat, we have to be really sensitive to who that person is. Um, and so we really have conversations about that all the time and just being really sensitive to, to um, our, our staff and who they are as total people, not just, uh, who they are at one point, one time.
2: I I think too being sincere about it because I I know I think you guys get the feel when someone's just trying to ask you about your experience or life because they you, they kind of, they kind of treat you like a token person, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. So I I think having that genuine conversation that you're really just trying to get to know, to know a person is going to yield so much better results and be able to get you the information to make your practice better. Or your business, you know, not just, um, I think this is applicable to anyone across the board. And so with that, cancel culture, huge, huge thing, right? So when we're doing this, we'd be really careful. So I think um, a lot of our listeners are probably, they want to do this. They want to have better diversity inclusion. But there's that fear that they could do something and not even be intentional and they get canceled. And then it just kind of, everything goes to crap. So what would you guys say is a good first step in that, in being intentional um with this that they could help maybe avoid avoid that cancel culture but still being intentional and making an impact versus
1: you know yeah i, I would say in, in the recruitment process certainly casting a wider net um and being sensitive to what other underrepresented groups might not have so for instance um and, and doing a lot of work when and and you know building these programs and initiatives, a lot of times they're in person. Well, how do I know that this person can get here in person? How do I know that they have transportation? So making things more virtual, making making webinars more virtual, making things a lot easier to access. I think the other thing is really keeping in mind that you don't have to know it all Um There's there's, uh, there's I, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of resources, but there's also uh, this thing called the question mark. Ask the question. Don't assume. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble is that they 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 make assumptions and those assumptions turn into biases and those biases turn into stereotypes. Where if you don't have the assumption, you can nip it at the bud at that point. Um, and 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 not having that assumption is, is 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 really the foundation of being inclusive because you're not you're not you're not taking anything for granted. And I think the first step to all of this is really being vulnerable enough with yourself. To allow yourself to be uncomfortable enough to ask the question, say, you know, and it doesn't have to come off crazy just, hey, you know, I haven't been exposed to this. I was wondering if you could explain to me what this means, you know, or, you know, I've heard this has been been an issue in this community, but I, I, I just don't understand it. Can you explain this to me? And then that leads into a whole separate dialogue where you may have learned something about an individual that you didn't even intend. So I think that when, you know when we speak about first steps and we speak about something small that can be done, I think just eliminating the assumption and asking the question is the first thing.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, I I'd literally I, I was just going to say uh, sensitivity and communication, which was running along the uh, the same lines that that you you know be comfortable enough to to communicate but sensitive enough to understand where people are coming from and you know to that that kind of levels things as far as my experience that kind of level things out as far as getting over uh, obstacles and getting around challenges and stuff so as long as we can communicate and we can be sensitive to each other's uh, overall being then we have better results. And
1: I think you know, especially with us owning the dental practice and and, you know, and just in healthcare, period. You know, most um, medical professionals they have a thing called bedside manner, and, and and what that is is it's 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 being sensitive, it's being you know you know understanding that everyone isn't the same, and, and understanding they might have questions. So so I think most healthcare professionals have it built in uh, to their DNA, if you will, um, that they they are diverse inclusive and, and equitable by nature because they have to be but i think what happens on the flip side is when we start looking at staff and not patients we become that lens that lens becomes removed and then we look at it a little bit differently um, but i think if healthcare professionals keep that same lens that they have at the bedside when they're dealing with their staff and their teams it could take them a long way
2: So, and what you guys have shared too, I think it's very apparent that fostering diversity and inclusion elevates a a practice, any kind of practice, right? Absolutely. And so, and I think you guys have given great examples of how it's elevated your practice, but I would love for you guys to share um, in other instances, not your practice, but you, where you've been a patient or a client that has practiced this diversity inclusion and how it elevated your experience.
1: Wow. You want want me to go first, Dr. B, or you, you want to, you want to take a stab?
0: No, no, no. You 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 go first because you're using the better words. Yeah, I mean, I have
1: I have a whole lot of them. So I I'll, I'll speak about why I got into this work. Um, and and it was really influential for me because I saw how it affected generations. So, um, I, I was when I came out of college, I was a loan officer for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, and my job was to give loans to farmers that couldn't get loans from anywhere else um and 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 at the time the black farmers in virginia were going through something because they were getting the loans they were losing their land and the white farmers were buying that land and putting up cell phone towers and getting millions of dollars um and what that showed me was wow this is not fair um and, and anyone who gets into the di where it all starts off with We we come to quickly realize that the world isn't fair, but you have to build in things and institutions that make it more fairer, if for for lack of a better term. But that that's what it showed me that it takes someone to, to, to drop a pebble in the pond and cause those ripples before anything happens. Um, and I take pride in being that pebble, regardless of where it is. And, you know, in, in another instance, you know, when I was working at the headquarters of our fraternity, we were noticing that, um, People of color weren't getting hired into, into these visible roles. They were getting they were getting put in roles that were um, supported uh, or administrative roles, but not in the visible roles. And so we created a program called College Life to Corporate Life for our for our fraternity brothers, our college fraternity brothers. Um, and and it 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 just it excited me that I was going to help mold and shape an individual's career at this at this early stage. And you know we had companies you know lining up to sign up like Kraft, PepsiCo. Um, Wells Fargo, Cornell University, um, countless others, and what they were doing was we giving our college brothers entry level positions, but not keeping them there, challenging them to grow, and and then today I see one of the young brothers that were in that program, and I was there back in two thousand and whenever it was, um, he's now he's now the mayor of Little Rock, and so it, it just shows if you pour into people at, at an early stage. You, you provide them with an aura of invincibility, invincibility that carries on throughout their careers, and 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 I try to carry that into the practice every day. Because uh, again, you know, our three sh- strategic pillars are, of course, practicing, but thought leadership and philanthropy, and DEI is the umbrella that hovers over all of that. And when we when we look at those those pillars, we always keep that DEI lens on because we want to make sure that we are force multipliers, and we're not keeping anything in place. We want to make sure that. Um what we do will will resonate long but long after we're gone or retire I shouldn't say gone
0: <laughs> yeah and i i would say for me mine is uh uh like Daryl a lot of experiences with the different institutions that i um that i attended and i i would always tell people um if they let me in a room i'm gonna jimmy the lock i'm gonna mess with some, I'm going to put some gum in there or, or put my foot in the door because I'm bringing people in. You have to understand that. So it, it, at first coming from Harlem and then going to Virginia state, it was like, this is an amazing experience. And these are wonderful people. And I need more people to come down here. So I worked at admissions and I saw applications, I made calls and I was like, here, let's get this person in and that person in. Then when it came to Howard, it was similar. You, you, you start seeing less people of color, but then you, but you see the advantages and the opportunities. And so you wanna bring as many people as you can through. And, and then with Columbia University, once you start to get to the height of your career in your field, that's when you really start to see, okay, it's not enough of us. You're the only person in the room. Uh, when when you you get some of those uncomfortable questions or whatever and you have to play it off for some political uh, conversation that that um that that a lot of times it's it's a test how how's this guy going to answer it and you 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 learn over time you you can bug back and then you know there's issues you can cower away and there's issues or you can stand your ground on who you are and that takes a whole lot, especially kind of going through the path that you do. So for me, it was all of these experiences and understanding where I stood in a room and how much I needed to put forward to to make my presence known. And so when it comes down to whether it's staff or, or the, the, the practice itself and, we, and we're looking at diversity, I know that that person walking into a room, how much it's taking for them to stand in the room with me, or with with somebody that is different from them that may have a uh levels above them um so to speak so i'm very conscious and again using that word again sympath- sympathetic empathetic with um their situation and that's how kind of like the dei formulated in my head just over my experiences over time
1: yeah yeah, and, and I think the flip side of that, and I'm sure we all experience it, is the flip side of that is walking into the room and and and, and being expected to speak speak for the whole uh, black community and the whole black race. <laughs> um, but you know, and, and 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 at times, sometimes I want to, but then I have to fall back and be like, Daryl, you're you're Daryl, you're Daryl yeah, Jackson. Yeah. This is your role. This is this <laughs> is your lead. Um, But I I think that's a challenging aspect of it as well when you walk into a room with people that don't look like you. Sometimes they expect you to speak for everyone and and that's not fair to you or or to them, because that's going to cause them to form some assumptions that may not be be accurate. um, And and the beginning of some biases because it might not, you know, they might not agree or or like what you said. So I think the flip side of the coin is that as well is, is not trying to speak for everyone, but speaking for what you know and staying in your lane.
0: Yes.
2: Man, y'all, y'all got me crying in the club over here uh, <laughs> with, your, with your experiences. But I think what, what you guys are both leading to is um, sometimes, right, when we're on this effort of diversity inclusion, we really just kind of have to rise where we stand. But I think both your examples show that when we do that, when we are lifting up other people, you know, it's a small ripple. It may just be one person, one small thing, but it's a ripple effect, and it brings yep. up. Uh, you know, that spreads, it brings up communities, it brings up areas. And, you know, eventually, like, this probably, you know, sounds crazy, but it's like, eventually, that brings up the whole world, because it just spreads as we continue to grow and lift. Because I mean, at the end of the day, right, the world is not just one, one single thing, one mind thought, all that it's, it's always going to be different. And it's always going to be changing. So we need to create spaces that are inclusive for the for those, whether it's race, or, you know, um, sexual orientation, or you know, accessibility—all of that needs to be inclusive. And I think too, when we think about diversity and inclusion, I think a lot of times we get pigeonholed into just thinking it's just about race and ethnicity, and it's so much more than that. So seeing the whole wheel. Yes,
1: yes absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think one of the other things that you know we 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 take pride in um, is being you know alpha men. Is, you know, you know we we take pride in, in, in being the scholars. So we, 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 really, we, we really think things through and we really try to, to, to think of I, what I try to do. I'm not gonna speak for all of us again. We're not gonna fall into that. <laughs> what, I, what I try to do is I, I, try, I try to think of it from a change management perspective because when we think of change, um, change is, is, is disruptive. So I try to think of it as uh, what, what is the current state and what is the future state? What are we, what are, what are we looking at? Even though it may be a utopian vision, um, we try to build towards it. Um, and, and I think that helps us as well. And then and then finally, you know, when, whenever you're dealing with DEI, anything, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like, I, I, I try to not be comfortable or, or make people think that it's going to be a comfortable process. It's supposed to be uncomfortable because you're changing. Um, and, and, and when that discomfort arises, you, you see the most change and impact.
0: Yes. And, and what Darryl, um was just speaking of, there's a funny thing I would tell people. I, I hate continental breakfast. And I hate continental breakfast because it always comes before uh, some new experience, some orientation. And that is the worst feeling in the world to be sitting there with a cold bagel and a little yogurt and your coffee and you (laughs) got to make friends as an adult. So to to like what I learned over time, though, was that that was the opportunity also because you were on stage, whether you wanted to be or not. I was at a meeting where I was the only black doctor in the place, a room of 500 people. And well, except for the guy that was serving the food. And I, I remember I, I said, uh, I, I called my brother and I said, this is like, get out. Uh, I don't know. Everybody is watching me because I'm walking with my plate and the whole room is like this. And, and it, it wasn't, not because I'm in a room full of people that don't like me or whatever, but there were curiosities and, and uh, things of that nature. But when you're on that stage, you could either, you know, kind of bail because will, the first yeah. time I went, I, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to my hotel and I'm ordering in and I'm watching a movie because this is uncomfortable. And I don't know if I spoke with, I think I I called you. Yeah, You called I, I, me. Yeah, you called, called me. Called you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I swear to. You, I, I called him, and I'm sitting here. You know, I got all my degrees. I got. I'm. I'm as qualified as everyone in the room. But and and maybe even more. But I'm. I'm. I'm sitting there almost as a moving sculpture, and I felt so uncomfortable, and it felt cold. And, Do you, I, and you I remember I, the advice I gave I, you? Do you. Remember the advice I gave you. Wait, wait, wait say no, no, no. You say it so everybody else can hear it. Go, ahead,
1: go, go. I told you, I told you, you got. I, I, can I use bad words? I can't use bad words. You got to walk through that MF like you own that place. They don't yes, know you from yes, a hole in the wall. Yes,
0: they don't yes. know you from
1: a hole in the wall. You better walk through that place like you are the doctor's doctor. Like you, and I, I, I've experienced the same thing, but I've been on the stage presenting. And I'm presenting to a whole white audience, or a, I wouldn't say white, but non black audience. And, you know, I had to. I, I, First, you get a little uncomfortable. Your pits start sweating. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh, am I going to fall? And, then you know, everyone tells you to think of everyone naked in the room that makes you feel more comfortable. But it doesn't. That doesn't work no, no, at no. all. You, you just you just have to realize they don't know me from a hole in the wall. So I, I can be whoever I want to be in this place. So, you know, that that's and what that, helped me. In it.
0: And I was I was standing at the top of the staircase when he said this. At this, you know, fancy hotel, and I'm like, I am gone, and he's like, Oh, you need to go back in there, and boom, boom. and I turned around, I <laughs> I grabbed a glass or you know a little whatever they were serving, and I walked back into that room, and it was a different feeling. I, I was I was moving a little different. You got a little bop, a little swag, and then it started to warm up because it was, I think maybe they haven't seen uh a, a black guy in in this meeting in a long no, time no i think this. they
1: smelled your fear they smelled your fear like maybe. they smelled the fear I don't
0: know. No, it, was so, it was so i mean it literally just watch get out if you watched get out you know it literally felt like that and i was like oh i'm i'm from harlem i'm i'm born and raised i'm i'm, I'm tough i guess but then, when you walk in a room and everybody is just like, "Boom!" right on you, it's it's a bit off-putting in that. um But that that was a learning moment, and, and, that, yeah. and that was a time that um that I, I also, and I, I want I want the viewers to understand this: it doesn't matter what level you get to, you're, you're never beyond taking counsel. You're you're never beyond learning and, and, and communicating and asking for help because here I, I'm. I'm I'm shaking in my boots, so to speak, and I had to make a call to get my mind right. You belong there. This is what you need to do. Yep. Yes, I belong here, and this is what I need to do, and and, yep. and that drove yep. me forward. So you you can't be too arrogant to think that oh I'm I'm, I'm big time this, a big time that, and I don't need anybody's help because we always do. We always. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I also told him to find the person in the room that everyone thought was, you know, that person, and go 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 and shake hands with that that person and say, hey, I, I love what you said about such and such, and then you know that creates a conversation, and everyone sees you speaking to that person, and you become that person. Um, you said find so, the biggest we,
0: person in the room and knock them out. Yeah, that, that too. No, no, no. no, no that, that was, was that was in a different that was in that a different environment. Different. That was somewhere else. <laughs>
2: Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Great we
2: are we are almost out of time. So, we're just going to leave our listeners with a motivational tip. And our listeners are in for a treat cuz they are getting another page out of your playbook of success. So, what what do you have for our listeners today?
1: Wow. I went first last time, Dr. Beck, Dr. B. You go first this time. Or did you go first last time? I got I don't know.
0: You went first last time. I got this one. I do this one. Um know your value. Know your value. The biggest the the, the the biggest accomplishment you could have is knowing your value, and the biggest failure you could have is not knowing your value because it can leave you stuck in situations that you are beyond. You're better in if you can't see that in and and that next step or that next level. Um, it doesn't necessarily exist so when you know your value you know how long you should be somewhere or where you should be at and and what your next steps are and I, I think that's key in just overall life period
1: I think I would leave my I would leave the listeners with um, one of my rules that I go by and I call it the 24- hour rule um, you have 24 hours to feel sorry for yourself or 24 hours to celebrate success after that move on. Um, because no one cares, um, and and I I like to think that I, I practice um, the the practice of effort, and I say effort because um, when things go bad, you get twenty four hours, and then you have to say effort and move on. Because stress kills, stress debilitates, stress keeps you keeps you local, stress keep you keeps you in the same place that you always are, um, and 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 I feel like without people, a lot of times uh, we get really stressful, and, and we get hindered by what we can. What we can accomplish, um, and and that can come through something bad or something great happening. So we can wallow in our success too too much, or we can wallow in our misfortune too much. And I would just say to listeners, you know, practice that twenty four hour rule. You get twenty four hours to celebrate, or twenty four hours to wallow in your miseries, and after that, move on, um, because there's so much more to accomplish. Definitely.
2: So valuing yourself and allowing space to feel, and then keep moving forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for being with us once again, Dr. Beckles and Daryl. It has, as always, it's been a ride. It's been great. Yes, indeed. It's been a ride. Good, bad,
1: or different. It's been a ride.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And thank you to everyone listening. Don't forget to join the Happy Practice Playbook Facebook group, where we'll be discussing this topic more and sharing other helpful resources to help you keep your people happy and as always i'll be posting to get all of your tips and tricks as well if you like what you heard today hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the next episode we hope you'll join us next time it's your girl mo jones